Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. The Justice Minister feels the political heat. Sinn Féin says Helen McEntee must lose her job because of last week's rioting in the heart of Dublin. The idea that this violence couldn't be predicted is a nonsense. This situation has been building for months. Meanwhile, the Minister says she'll be giving clarity to frontline Gardaí on the use of force during public order incidents. I do not want members of Angarda Siakana looking over their shoulder uh, responding to these incidents where they feel that force is necessary. I'm joined here in studio by Fine Gael Minister of State, Martin Hayden, Social Democrats Dublin TD, Gary Gannon, Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at the Irish Independent, and Stephen McDermott from The Journal, and on Skype this evening by former Garda Stephen Moore. You're all very welcome to the programme. Let's go to the politics of all of this. First, Kevin, because today, Helen McEntee, she's in the dial. It's her first opportunity to really face the opposition. What was the line of criticism from then? What was the line of attack? Well, the line of criticism is very obvious at this stage, which is that they were unprepared, um, that they were caught totally blindsided by what happened last Thursday and that the response to it simply wasn't good enough. So that's pretty straightforward. In terms of the line of defence, I think there is um, a bit of doublespeak going on about that because on one hand we saw members of uh, government today repeatedly say in the Dáil that what happened uh, last Thursday was shocking and appalling, which everybody agrees on. Um, but that it was brought under control very quickly. And I think anybody who was in Dublin city centre last Thursday evening knows it wasn't brought under control very quickly because Dublin was on fire by the time the numbers of Gardaí arrived into the city centre. So there's almost a playing down of, while saying it was very serious and appalling, there's almost a playing down of how long it went on for before the situation was brought under control because it had been brewing from three o'clock in the afternoon, really. Anyone who was up around Parnell Square O'Connell Street knew something was brewing and yet it was eight, nine o'clock before the guards really hit the streets in big numbers. So there was a big gap of time there. And there was criticism that evening for, or directed towards Helen McEntee for her response. We had her here on the programme and she herself, I think, probably downplayed the issue of safety in the streets yeah. of Dublin. How did she fare today? Um, I mean, it was interesting to see what was a, a dull statements effectively on last Thursday's event. And normally when something like that happens, you expect everybody to come together. But Sinn Féin have put forward the idea that she needs to resign. And so this evening's debate in many ways turned into um, a kind of a dress rehearsal for if a motion of no confidence is put down. So obviously she defended herself, but perhaps more interestingly, you saw other members of government, of cabinet, standing up and absolutely tearing into Sinn Féin, their own record um, in, in relation to crime um, and things that have happened in the past. And really putting a firm foot for Helen McEntee is going absolutely nowhere. So it was less about, I think, what she said today, but more about how clear it was to Sinn Féin that if they put down that motion of no confidence in her, the government will fight it all the way and, and very vigorously. And is that the sense, do you think, uh, Kevin, behind the scenes too, that she has done everything right, we must back her to the hilt? There was a parliamentary party meeting this evening with Fine Gael. Is, is that what came out of that, do you think? Yeah, I don't think that, I think there is privately some unease about how this has all played out. Perhaps sometimes Helen McEntee doesn't come across in the media, perhaps, as you say, in those initial hours as, as 
vigorous, perhaps, as some people would have liked in this scenario. Um, but at the same time, I don't think there's anybody... A couple of Fianna Fáil senators, obviously, have said that they're uncomfortable with her position. But I don't think anybody in Fine Gael is pushing for that. The government's not in a position to be losing ministers. And to be honest, Kira, we've seen these situations play out in the past. It's through Harris who needs to be more worried, I think, at this point. But for Helen McEntee, if that motion goes down, it'll be a very uncomfortable few days, of course. Um, speaking of Fianna Fáil senators, we saw Erin uh, McGuigan and now we see Tim Dooley saying, you know, Drew Harris doesn't have the back of the Garda Shia He needs to resign. You've said these calls for resignations are political point scoring. So is Senator Timmy Dooley political point scoring here? Well, actually, what I said is that ultimately here, um, you know, the, the point was made by one contribution in the Dáil today from a member of the opposition that um, those who instigated these riots last week are very buoyant at the minute. And the point I made back was, you know, the political infighting, division, playing the person instead of the ball um, would only play into those uh, people and make them probably more buoyant uh, to see that kind of discord. And that's not where today's debate should have really went, I feel. Well, maybe they would say, no, it's actually about accountability and people having trust and, and faith and in those in leadership being able to do the job. Today was all about accountability. Tomorrow on Leaders' Questions would be all about accountability. Uh, when Minister McEntee and uh, the Garda Commissioner come before the Justice Committee, there's, there's accountability every day of the week. And in fairness to Minister McEntee, you would have to say, from Thursday night, uh, from Thursday evening last week, there were, I don't think it was a media show she, she didn't front up for. She, she was there, she was present, she answered questions all weekend. She was but perhaps ever, she did ever, downplay ever the present. seriousness of what had unfolded on the streets. Um, and, and the government, as Kevin says, continues to do so. Well, I, I'm not, I, I don't believe we're downplaying it at all. We had, we saw the biggest response ever in the history of the state of putting guards on the street in a very short period of time. In over 400 guardy, 220 public order uh, guards on the street in a short period of time being mobilised. The biggest ever mobilisation of guardy in a short period. And we also uh, so, hear so from like, guardy, and we're going to speak to one shortly, who said there was no plan in place for how to deal with an incident like this. But like, you know, they scrambled. We, we saw a lot of contributions today and anybody like obviously in, in the Dáil, you speak around a lot of issues you, uh, during your time in the Dáil or in the Shannon, you'll speak about education, you speak about health, you speak about justice. Anybody who ever raised a point about justice in the past was today saying they foresaw everything that would happen last Thursday. And I think that's a bit disingenuous to say that the series of events that happened last Thursday <clears> was <throat> as they uh, played out in the exact time scale that they did. I think for somebody to say that that was completely predictable. Yes, obviously we've had challenges in this area. Absolutely, we know that as a society. And uh, since COVID, we've, we've had challenges that, that we're working through and that we've been very uh, proactive on. But to suggest that everything that happened last Thursday was completely predictable, which was some of the tone of what was being said today, okay. is disingenuous. That's what you were saying, Gary. Yeah, how far would you like to go back, Martin? Um, this time last year, we had dull statements on literally on the issue of safety in the city of Dublin. They were the first time that we've had doll statements on Dublin specifically. I was asking for them for about 12 months in advance. So for about two years now, I've been calling for um, action in relation to the city of Dublin. I've been coming forward, asking the Taoiseach, asking the Minister for Justice, having topical motions, looking for coordinated approaches that would consist of City Council, Garda Shikana, the Health Secretary, a collection of groups specifically focused on safety in the city of Dublin. I've been told consistently that that was not needed. In the absence of that coordinated strategy we got was 10 million in overtime and talk of community safety wardens. In terms of this not being able to be received, from about half two to three o'clock on Thursday, we knew there was going to be violence in the city of Dublin. 
There was 34 public order units in the city up until about six o'clock. Then calls went out to the extra guards in Dublin. More were brought in at seven o'clock. They had no coordination. And you'd seen that in the fact that guard cars parked on Parnell Street, where police then went up to the riot just up the road, lost control right. and the cars were then burnt. OK, respond to that, Martin. In general, the, the first charge that nothing has been done, the debates were had on this in the past. It's we've had Operation debate. Citizen. We, we've had um, additional, it's, obviously, uh, you, you know, the, the Garda stations reopened on Connor Street, Fitzgibbon Street. <laughs> Uh, the, the different investment into the resources in, in those areas and the extra guardy put into uh, Dublin city centre out of the over 200 city. guards that came out of Templemore most recently, 165 went into Dublin okay. and mm. largely Dublin city centre. So, but this issue is. But we also that. have we also have the justice minister saying today that she is going to look to the policing authority to give guidance around mm. the use of force and questions over the equipment that our guard Shia If this has been dealt with. Why were those issues not put to the policing authority before now, given the fact that there have been so many incidents in the city, whether it was anti-immigration protests or whether it was, you know, the assault of an American tourist in September? Why were those questions not asked before now? It's not that the questions weren't asked. I'm not for a minute suggesting that we're not uh, proactively dealing and responding to ever-evolving uh, criminal justice challenges. Uh, in this area. I'm referring to uh, maybe an accusation that th there hasn't been any action. There has been action, but of course, in terms of the scale of riot and public disorder that happened last Thursday, if, uh, you know, the measures around making sure the Guardi are supported, so like where we're talking about facial recognition technology, that was coming forward, we're beefing it up, we're going to try and expedite it. Uh, body cams, will, uh, legislation, recording device legislation will pass the okay. tomorrow. So there's a lot of measures in okay, place Okay, so here. the government are sticking to this narrative. This couldn't be predicted. Stephen, you would say otherwise. Yeah, absolutely would. Like Gary obviously mentioned that we've saw anti-immigrant protests, you know, from a year ago, but it's been going on since far before that, you know, we saw protests outside direct provision centres long before the pandemic. We saw big pandemic protests by, um, you know, people who were anti-lockdown. We saw, um, you know, kind of COVID protests or um, mass protests and stuff after that as well. So this has been ongoing for a while, like it kind of started bubbling up really during COVID. But, you know, we, we've seen this year already a library in Cork shut by far-right protesters. We've seen the doll essentially under lockdown as well. So this is not a one-off incident that, you know, just came up out of nowhere. This has been an ongoing issue for a while. Yeah. And other than just the sort of the far right element, Kevin, many people who live and work in Dublin city centre will say for a long time that these streets have not felt safe. I, I'm there every day of the week. Um, our offices are on Talbot Street, um, which I always think is shameful because an awful lot of the buses drop all the tourists from the airport off on Talbot Street and you could not give people a worse introduction to Dublin than to send them up that street towards the Spire or towards uh, Bosaurus because every day of the week and it's not nighttime it's not dublin after dark it's dublin from 10 a.m in the morning screaming shouting drugs um all sorts of anti-social behavior you come out in the evening now the place is overrun by teenagers on e-scooters going up and down the street it's just lawlessness was allowed to develop and then people see some people getting away with certain things and they go well if they're doing that I can do this, and then it spreads. Okay, very quickly, Gary. Can I tell you what happened today? Outside Galesville, Clarsh, Nemoura, where there was a the grotesque attack happened on Thursday. There wasn't a guard at present there at half two today when students Mr. were leaving. Mr. responded to that point. Can I respond to Mr. McEnany's response today? Well, you weren't there for it. So I'll just maybe point out I was watching I'll just point out to you. Well, let me finish. 
Okay, we'll go on. Go on ahead. There was we'll, no like... guard there today as those students were coming out. There was a person there intoxicated who had urinated, and that's what those kids had to see. Minister McEntee's response today, if there had been a guard, it wouldn't have given the impression of normality for she the children. Okay. Normal there was no guard there. Said. Don't misrepresent what those parents said so, to me. So there was no what, guard what was there today. very clearly said by Minister McEntee in the Dáil afterwards in response to your accusation that there was no guard accusation. there was that, that the very well, clear approach, and Minister McIntyre has been dealing with the principal uh, and the management of, of the creche, as well as school, as you all have, absolutely, I'm not downplaying that, but her response was very clear that what everyone agreed, including the NEPS advisors from the Department of Education, was normality is key for the pupils. And normality and is a person who is intoxicated outside the school. That's right the normality the you expect from inner city children. They are the person who is intoxicated outside the school. That's the expectation you have. That's the expectation you have. I want to go to what we know. We were there within a split second. All right, I want to go to what we There actually was a guard in the city centre, in Pier Street Guard Station, for the last 20 years. You've only just resigned. Were you surprised by what happened on Thursday, and did it look to you like there was a policing plan in place that knew how to respond to an event like this? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Because it has... As Gary said earlier on, it has uh, started, you know, the downfall within the city the last number of years. Uh, you know, so it accumulated to what actually occurred on Thursday. I think Mick Clifford said it very well yesterday. It was a perfect perfect storm that happened. It, it's due to, you know, resourcing within the Garda Shekana, retention within the Garda Shekana, support within on Garda Shekana from, for, for Garda members and the lack of that support. Uh, and you know you mix that all together with what occurred, the tragic events on Thursday, the far right element, and then the opportune uh, opportunists came in later. You know, so we might not predict it. You know how badly it became, but it was edging towards that for the last number of years. And you talk there, Stephen, about about tension, this feeling of tension and a lack of support within the Gardaí. And there have been some commentators who've said that part of that is because of the role of GSOC and this feeling in the Gardaí that we don't know how to act anymore because we are not sure what the response from GSOC is going to be. They have come out today and they have rejected the idea that the Garda's ability to respond to public order incidents like this is hindered in any way by GSOC and what they do. What do you say to that? Well, I would disagree with what GSOC came in and said today. And, you know, I would also disagree with the, the minister in relation to the notion of force. Every single guard who goes through the gates of Templemore is taught very early on 
that we only use force when it's legal, necessary, and proportionate to the situation. Very, very early in, in any girl's career, we're taught that. So for, for the aspect of force to, to be kind of brought up today, you know, the problem is that guards on the ground are not being backed up by guard management in relation to the use of force. And that has guardy questioning themselves when they reach for that baton, when they have to, when it's necessary. And that's an unacceptable position that members of Mungarda Sheikarnock find themselves in. And is that a specific criticism of Drew Harris and how he has acted as commissioner? I will say in, in relation to the commissioner, what guards need today is leadership and strong leadership. Okay, to date that hasn't been shown, but there is time to turn that around. But we need strong leadership. Guards on the ground need strong leadership. They need a commissioner to speak up for them and not just side with the government every every time they go on air. All right. I just want to stay, stay with me, Stephen. I just want to go back um, to you, first of all, Kevin, because the Guard Commissioner is going in front of the uh, Aractus Committee tomorrow. What do we expect him to say, first well, of all? I think in the first instance, we can expect more of the condemnation that we've heard. I think we will hear him um, try to explain how the day unfolded in terms of the timelines, because there have been kind of contradictory um, statements from different guard organisations as to when exactly the siren went out for, for Gardaí to, to come into the city. Um, and then I think you'll probably see him come under robust questioning from TDs and senators um, about his position and about whether the, the what happened on Thursday is one thing, but there is this bigger question now about the lack of confidence that Gardaí on the ground seem to have in Drew Harris. So I think those two things, there's one is what happened Thursday, but one is whether he has lost the troops and the dressing room. And that question, I think, is very much open. And we saw that motion of no confidence in him, and I think we probably heard a pretty strong yeah. answer. I mean, two other Garda commissioners have gone under this mm. uh, Fine Gael government or previous Fine Gael government. Do you think this is going to be different? Well, it depends how heavy the politics gets because, it, not to be cynical about it, but if Helen McEntee actually comes under threat, then Drew Harris will go. That's how politics of this works. The commissioner will always go before the minister. Um, he will be the fall guy if it comes to that. I don't see it coming to that at this point in time. Um, we're heading into an election year. I think the government do not want that sort of a, the idea of a third commissioner um, under Fine Gael, falling by the wayside, I think is getting beyond, you know, the accidental stage of these things. So I don't see it happening. I think they'll do everything to protect him at this moment in time. OK, but I, I suppose to go back to the point that Stephen made, how can you protect somebody when Stephen is saying there's a sense that there's no support, that there is tension within the Gardaí, that they feel under pressure, that they feel like the leadership there doesn't have their back? Well, I'd like to point to some of the legislative changes that we've brought in, that Minister McIntyre has brought in, like strengthening the uh, sentences for people who, who uh, assault a Garda or a, an emergency frontline worker. Um, Minister McIntyre has increased that and passed that legislation. That that sentencing has now gone from seven years to 12 years. Um, okay, but we're talking well, about Garda management here. Yeah, no, but, no, but we're talking about overall confidence. Your, your question was around the confidence they have there. And I'm making the point that there has been a number of interventions here where we have worked uh, with senior management in the Garda. And I don't, cha I don't for a minute underestimate how hard it is uh, for Gardaí uh, to carry out their jobs in, in the modern era. We all have friends, relations, um, who, who tell us uh, on a daily basis what it is, uh, how difficult it is uh, to be a Garda. And, and we as government are here to support them, uh, to support them in the work okay. they're doing. And, and what you're doing, one of your responses at the moment is to come forward and say there will be a bigger Garda presence on the street between now and Christmas. And I'm sure lots of people, lots of businesses, um, tourists, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment, will welcome that. 
what happens after Christmas? So like, and obviously restoring people's confidence uh, to come back into the city centre is very important, but this is much broader than the city centre. This is about our whole country. This is about making sure that we continue to ramp up and build on the momentum we have of getting more recruits through Templemore uh, in a more timely so fashion. Just, just to be clear, I'm asking, there's going to be a bigger presence with more visibility on the streets, just like there was after that attack on the American tourists for a couple of weeks, and then they disappeared. You're going to tell me that there will be extra guardy on the streets for the next couple of weeks, restore confidence, come January, back in, to normal. In the today in leaders' questions outlined very clearly, there's the short-term response, the medium-term response and the long-term response. Uh, it is about strengthening the role of the Gardaí, um, you know, where they need more equipment, where they need likes of facial recognition technology. We're going to beef up that legislation that's come before government in a couple of weeks. We've passed the body cam legislation uh, due tomorrow with the recording devices bill. You know, so we continue to work. Some of those measures are short-term, uh, short like making sure... Medium term plan. There's, medium there's a response, an initial response well, to deal with the political heat of the But what happens come January? I don't hear a response or plan. There, there absolutely is. In terms of Temple Moor, in terms of uh, the extra investment, in terms of uh, the vehicles, the improved safety equipment uh, for our Gardaí, increased prison spaces. Um, and uh, is that going to be in place by January? Are we going to see those in the medium term? In the medium term, you talk about extra recruits, I talk about short-term, medium-term and okay, long-term. When I talk in one, you say I'm not doing, we're not doing the other. There's a plan for all three, and that is the point. All right, look, at, um, we're going to leave that there for now, but do stay with us. We'll be discussing this in a lot more detail after the break. Finnegill Minister of State Martin Hayden, Social Democrats Dublin TD Gary Gannon, Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at the Irish Independent and Stephen McDermott from The Journal are still here with me. Uh, Stephen, I want to come to you to the point that was being made by the Taoiseach earlier today. You know, if we are to see the resignation of either Helen McEntee or Drew Harris, that will embolden those who were involved in the rioting and the looting last week. That will be seen as a victory, as a win. Are you seeing that narrative playing out online at all? Absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, we have to see what happened on Thursday as a real pushback against government policy, you know, on immigration, whether you, know, you agree with that or disagree with that. But yeah, absolutely, they will see um, kind of their actions as pushing back against. I mean, look, the far right didn't come out of nowhere. You know, this is not like something that just cropped up overnight. There's been years and years and years of government policies that have led to this decision. You know, they see things like the housing crisis, people not being able to afford homes, people not being able to get places in childcare, GPs offices being full, farmers groups who are worried about environmental policies and the economic impact that they will have on them, you know, building up essentially since, you know, 2010, 2011, since the global financial crisis. And because, you know, of, of, of that build, of that movement, of that pushback, you know, people are kind of disenfranchised. They kind of feel like, well, since the arrival of tens of thousands of refugees from Ukraine and other countries last year, they kind of see, um, you know, the moves that are made to accommodate them, um, how society is acting towards them, like, you know, working class areas can kind of feel that, and this is not everyone in working class areas, absolutely, but those groups are capitalising on a kind of resentment towards the government for, you know, treating you know, those who are arriving here differently to those who have been here for a long time. Okay, there was a very interesting of the meeting of the Joint Policing Committee today with Drew Harris and a number of Dublin councillors, and one said that she had heard that there was this sort of threat among certain communities in Dublin that they would create their own vigilante groups to respond to the antisocial behaviour that they're seeing in the communities if the Guardian and the government don't respond. Are you seeing that online at all? Not as much. I mean, it has to be said that, you know, we've seen, you know, as mentioned earlier, the anti-immigrant protests that took place over the last year and the way the community responded tended to be much more positively. It was much more kind of welcoming. It's not 
you know, one side versus the other here. It's kind of showing, you know, what essentially is the best of Ireland, you know, the land of a thousand welcomes and all that. But, you know, uh, you know, we want to kind of show that, or rather people want to show that, uh, you know, refugees are welcome, that anti-immigration is, you know, not the, you know, the, the, the be all and end all. I think it is, it is not going to solve the social problems that have been festering for years and years and years in Ireland. Um, is one of the reasons that we haven't taken this seriously enough, Kevin, is that they don't have a very sort of clear political movement in Ireland yet, in the way they might have in other countries like France or the Netherlands or, or Italy, or I could name many others. Even the UK. Or the um, UK. We, we are quite different in that there has never been a far-right party, not just at national government level, but also at local government level, that has ever had any stronghold. Um, in this country. So obviously there are a number of small parties, but they are kind of just seen as sideshows up until now to a large extent. Um, there, there are some TDs in the doll who kind of speak to that rhetoric, but again, they're not coordinated in the way that we see in other countries. So there has kind of been this idea of the fringe and they're on the edges. The problem is that you now have this small group who, as we saw on Thursday, they bring their own followers, but they're able to stir up fear among others. And then that turns into something larger. So an awful lot, possibly the majority of people on the streets last Thursday had no political mood about them except anger and perhaps disenchantment. But the, the, it wasn't necessarily that they saw themselves far right. They maybe couldn't even describe what far right meant. OK, so have we been a bit sort of naive then in this country because we haven't had this formal political movement to think that we would be different? No, I want to Sorry, there's no formal political movement. There's a well-established playbook that goes from the US across the EU all the way here, and they're working off that. What we're describing as a far right is a couple of narcissists, really. They run for local elections to get a couple of hundred votes and then describe themselves as voices of the community. But actually representing the community, as I do, what I hear from the, the working-class communities I represent is they feel abandoned from the state. There isn't an effective policing plan. There's open drug okay, dealing. Okay, so I just happen. want to let Martin respond to that because Stephen brought that up. And line up to people feeling disenfranchised. Do yeah, you think I, that's I what this is? I just want to challenge Stephen's opening point that the far right, um, the, the issues you, you listed that uh, upset people over the course of the last decade or more uh, led to the formation of the far right. The far right are there. They're using those issues to upset other people and to, to wind them up. And they're doing that in a way, and this is where the misinformation piece is absolutely so critical. They're doing it in a way to tell a story that isn't reflective of Ireland. So they tell the story about the immigrant that, that's doing some terrible bad thing here. They're not... OK, but what the about the, the disenfranchisement that people are feeling on the streets that we saw last week too? Do you accept that? Oh, I, I, absolutely. That's there I, I, to, be, to be tapped into, to be whipped up. But my point is the disinformation element is a huge challenge for us as a society across political divide that we have got to challenge. And working with uh, social media uh, firms and the rest is going to be a very big challenge for all of us. Okay, across we're going to discuss that in detail here tomorrow night. But that's it from us. See you then. Bye-bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.